0: today we're going to pray for the Lord to give us the wisdom of what to speak, when to speak, and to send the power of the kingdom to back up what we speak when we follow the leading of His Spirit. All right, tonight's lesson is Speak to the Mountain. It's somewhat of a continuation of last week's. To recap really quick, uh, for those who weren't here, didn't hear it, it is podcasted. You can go back and listen to last week's message about the tree of sin and the root of the problem, but just to give you kind of a synopsis, um, you know, we talked about that tree of sin and we traced it all the way from the garden to revelations and finding out what that issue really is, that sin nature, that old man, that evil spirit, and we talked about the Asherah being the tree and that tree being an unholy spirit or an unclean spirit, and how it was always related to the groves, the high places, the temples of Baal, and the mountains. So when he talked to the woman at the well, and she said, are we going to worship in in the temple or in the mountain? She, he was talking about this grove, this high place, this asherah, this thing that Caused you to partake of this unholy spirit which puts you into idol worship or veil worship and so having that understanding when we look at the scripture that says if you have the faith of a mustard seed you can speak to the mountain and tell it to be removed then we can understand that the mountain he's talking about is this mountain of sin in your heart this unclean spirit And that it's only removed by faith because the only thing that can remove an evil spirit is the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes by faith. Grace is the power of the Holy Spirit and we are saved by grace through faith because when we have the faith to believe in what Christ did at Calvary his blood washes us we can receive his Holy Spirit and then that Holy Spirit can uproot that unholy spirit which is that mountain so when we read these passages about the mountain being cast out, if you have enough faith, it's really talking about that old sin nature, that unholy spirit. And we can see that in other passages where it refers to the exact same scenario, but instead of saying mountain, it says a tree. If you have the faith, even as the grain of a mustard seed, you can speak to this tree and it'll be plucked up by the root. It's talking about that Asherah, that unholy spirit, that grove, that high place, that thing that exalts itself above the glory of God. So it is removed by faith, but you can take authority against it. And there is something else that is listed in scripture that is a key to helping unlock or activate that faith. We notice that there is something key in that passage when he says, if you will speak to the mountain, and there is a key principle in that you must speak because your spoken words are a fruit of faith. It's an evidence of your faith. If you really believe it, you will speak it. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. What's in your heart will come out of your lips. If you're not willing to speak it, you don't really believe it. And so that speaking is an activation of faith and there are times when that old man, that old bell spirit will get in your ear, he will tempt you or he will come at you through people around you and you're just battling this thing in your mind and you're getting wearier and wearier and wearier and he's wearing you down. But if you will open your mouth and speak in faith, it will be cast out into the midst of the sea. But sometimes you have to do a physical act to show the fruit of your faith because that speaking is what unlocks or activates the faith that is within you we're gonna go ahead and read from Mark 11 we're gonna start around verse 20 if you read prior to this in the passage it's gonna tell you that Jesus was on his way to go minister and he saw this fig tree at a distance um, and it had leaves on it it looked good right the Ashra, it's the counterfeit of the Holy Spirit it looks very similar to the Holy Spirit But the only way you can know the tree is by its fruits. So when Jesus gets close to the tree, he finds out that there's no fruit on this tree. It doesn't have any fruit. So he curses it and goes on about his way. After he ministers in the city, on their way out, they're leaving. And this is where the passage picks up in verse 20. It says, And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou curseth is withered away. And Jesus answered, answering, saith unto them, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, And shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he saith this passage absolutely proves that he's talking about the Asherah or the tree when he says the mountain because he's talking about a fig tree here and yet he still says if you will say to this mountain it's the mountain the high place the grove the tree the sin nature he's talking about overcoming sin it can be done but only by faith Now, there's something that he's telling you here, though, but you have to speak that thing. That's why true salvation, it says that if you will believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved because what's in your heart will come out of your mouth. If you truly believe it, you will speak it. There's two elements here. There's faith and action. True faith will cause an action. Sometimes it's a physical action. Sometimes he'll tell you. To go somewhere or do something but most times it's going to be a spoken word that he's going to ask you to, to do in faith when you ask you to pray for somebody in faith when he asks you to give a word in faith when he asks you to witness to somebody when he asks you to give a message that speaking is an activation of that faith It's one of the things the devil's going to fight you on the hardest. That's how come you know it has the most power because there's nothing scarier than saying what God tells you to say. A lot of times it's easier to do what he tells you to do than it is to say what he tells you to say because the devil always makes you feel like you're going to be crazy if you believe in this and if you do this or if you say this or everybody's going to think you're insane. So what if they do? If it makes God happy, do it. If you speak but don't believe, nothing is going to happen but likewise if you believe but don't speak nothing's gonna happen either you want the mountain to be cast out you need to speak now there are times when God will tell you to be silent sometimes God will tell you something and he'll tell you to hold it and wait in the waiting season there's gonna be silence seasons but when the revealing comes it's gonna always come with a spoken word When he's ready to reveal something or to do something or to bring forth a miracle or a manifestation, he's going to proclaim it or profess it first because that's how he gets the glory. I'm reminded of a story years ago in Baton Rouge. We used to joke around because I would be obedient to God and he'd tell me something and I'd do it or I'd say it and everybody'd hate me for it. But my close friends would pick on me and stuff and they'd call me crazy fish because of the story in the Bible where the fish, when Jesus needed to pay taxes, he said, go and catch, they picked up the fish, they opened the fish's mouth and there was a coin in it. Well, the minister had put forth this, this sermon about that fish had crazy faith, think about it. At some point, somewhere, God put that coin in his mouth and said, now hold it and wait for me, I'm coming. And for however long that crazy fish had to hold that thing inside and wait for God, just so at the right moment when the time came for the revealing, he could open his mouth and a miracle could come out. God does the same thing with us. He'll put something in your heart and he'll tell you now hold it and wait for me. But the time is coming. If you walk it out with crazy faith, like that crazy fish, Jesus is going to show up and he's going to tell you open your mouth because it's time for the miracle to come out. Out of nowhere, nobody else around saw the struggle of that fish carrying that thing for so long. All they saw was the manifestation of the miracle when Jesus picks it up and all of a sudden there's a silver coin in it and he gets to pay the, the taxes and all of this. People get to see the revealing. They don't see the waiting and the hiding season. You know, you see these big ministers and the things that God has done in their life, all you saw was the revealing. You didn't see the waiting season, their crazy fish season. <laughs> the crazy fish had crazy faith. But it brought forth a crazy miracle. Amen. So when God tells you to open your mouth, open it. Because the power of life and death, 18, go to Proverbs 18:21, Or you don't even have to go there, just pull it up because it's really quick. But this is a great verse with great power to remember. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. The power of life and death is in the tongue there's a battle between life and death we kind of covered it last week with the tree of life being christ and he is the truth the way and the life and everything he does is to bring you life and bring it more abundantly and then the enemy on the other hand he comes to kill steal and destroy and and it's all about death and that tree of knowledge the curse of death and sin and death there's a battle of life and death well guess what the power of life and death resides in the tongue why because we're made in the likeness of god and god spoke the worlds into existence so if you were created in the likeness of god and you now have the spirit of god would not your words have the power of god there is life and death in the power of the tongues i don't have the passage in here but you can look it up there's actually a passage that says that By men's words will they be justified, and by their words will they be damned at the day of judgment. God's going to judge our words. What did we say, and what did we not say? So, there is power in the spoken word. There you go. For by words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. And that's talking about on the day of judgment before Christ. Because the words are the fruit of what is in your heart. What is in your heart will manifest at some point through your lips. If you truly believe something, you're going to speak it. If you truly think something, you're going to speak it. There is power in the spoken word. We are created in the likeness of God and he spoke things into being. Jesus always spoke something out loud before he enacted a miracle. He always said, rise and walk before he raised somebody from the dead, or be ye made whole, or depart from him when he cast out a devil. There was no account that I can readily recall where something just happened, because how does God get the glory? Now God can do something without our speaking. It's not our speaking that's doing it, but that enacting of faith is stirring the faith of those around you because it's making it evident that God is doing this thing. If a person just randomly gets healed, then you'll say, well, they got better, or the medicine worked. But if you stand up in the church and say, so-and-so is sick, we need to pray for them," and you say that prayer, and then they get healed, well, then God gets the glory. Not even to say that your words healed them, but because you spoke it, it released God to do it in a way that he will get the glory. So usually he's gonna want you to say something. When he asks you to say something, say it. And a lot of times when we want to say something and we're eager to do something, a lot of times that's not God. That's our flesh. Most times when you really don't don't want to do it, that's when it's God. That's why God tends to use the people that don't want to, the people that are unqualified or feel they're unable or they're scared to death and God's pulling you out that boat because he knows that when you do it, you'll be doing it in obedience to his leading and not because you wanna do it. You're doing it because he told you to do it. He can use the people that are scared and shy and unqualified more than he can use somebody with talent because they have nothing to rely on. And he knows that when they go, it's not gonna be because they want it to go or they want it to show their talent. It's gonna be because he made them go. If you can't swim, And you get out the boat. You know it's because he made you. (laughs) It gives God the glory. Go to James 5.13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Right? Prayer is a spoken thing. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Oh, you're happy? Sing praise. That's a spoken thing. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Again, spoken. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. It's an action. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. So in here we see that it's actually the prayer of faith that does the work, the miracle, But you're still commanded to take all of these actions because the actions are the fruit or the evidence of your faith and it makes sure that god gets the glory and it's always something that shows forth that god did this thing if you're afflicted let the people pray for you or if you're sick let them pray for you so that when you're healed god gets the glory if you're happy then sing songs sing praises set god up to get the glory and he's a lot more likely to move. Set yourself up to get the glory, and he's got nothing to do with it. There is power in the spoken word. Life and death is in the tongue. That's why the world and the devil is constantly trying to silence the saints. The devil fights hard to silence the saints. There's a couple of ways he does this. He'll do it through doctrinal conditioning, through social stigmas, and through political pressure. Doctrinal conditionings. A lot of people will be suppressed by the doctrines they're under that tell them you can't pray, you can't talk, you can't testify, you're too young, you're too old, you're a girl. We don't allow that. Don't make any noise in service, sit down, you're not the leader. It's all a tactic of the devil to silence the saint because there is power in the tongue. Seek the Lord, get the word, do what he tells you to do and say what he tells you to say. And if you're somewhere where you're not allowed to do that, then go where God sends you because he'll send you somewhere where you can, even if it's a street corner. Social stigmas, that's why. Socially and politically, social stigma peer pressure. The devil tries to get the you know kids to not talk about God in school. It's, it's a social stigma to witness or to do these things. It's because the devil's scared because it's such an effective tactic against him. And political pressures, of course, preachers don't preach that. Don't preach against this. Don't talk about sin. Don't share your faith in, in this location or that location. Don't bring your Bible. There's a consorted effort to silence the saints. And the reason for that is, if you can silence a Christian, you have sheathed their sword, and the devil knows it. The word of God is sharp as a two-edged sword, the Bible says, and it divides asunder even between the bone and the marrow, the spirit and the soul. And if the devil can silence you, then your sword is sheathed and it is of no threat to him. He's going to silence you. He's going to make you so scared to speak out around your family. He's going to make you so scared to speak out amongst your church. He's going to make you so scared to speak out amongst your friends. He's going to make you so scared to speak out amongst your classmates or amongst your workmates because he's, he's disarming you. He knows if he can keep you to get that sword and keep it sheathed, you're of no threat to him. Let's go to Revelation 12, 11. And they overcame by the blood of the Lamb And by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you having great wrath. Because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. So the Bible says woe to us. Because the devil has come and he doesn't have a lot of time. And why is he mad? because he knows that he will be overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and because they loved not their lives into the death in other words they were willing to give their testimony and talk about the blood even if it cost them their lives that's what overcomes the devil in the end and he's scared to death of that and that's why he fights so hard to silence the saints To quiet the Christians. That's why in countries where it's allowed. He will kill you for speaking the word of God. If he can. He's trying to sheath the sword. Because he knows that's what destroys him. And that's why he comes down. With such wrath against the saints. Because it is by the sword of the word of the mouth. Coming forth telling what God has done for you and being obedient to speak the word of the Lord that cuts down that Asherah, that uproots, that unholy spirit, that evil tree in the hearts of the people and sets men free. Speak the words he gives you. Don't, you don't have to go there, but in Revelations 2, uh, it talks about the different spirits that work in the churches, the spirit of Jezebel and the spirit of Balaam. Uh, And they're spreading these false doctrines. And Jesus says, I will come against you with the sword of my mouth. That is the word, the word that is coming forth out of his mouth. And if we are the body of Christ, then it should be coming forth out of ours and cutting out those false doctrines, those evil spirits, those lies and those sin natures in people. The words that you speak can make or break a situation. God can give you a revelation to speak into somebody's life or an interpretation to something that they've experienced or the right scripture at the right moment that can literally just break the yoke and help to uproot that thing that has held them back for so long when god gives you something speak it if it's a verse speak it if it's a a word of knowledge speak it if it's a testimony speak it whatever he gives you do it and if there's a spirit there that he's calling out call it out, do what you have to do. If the devil's coming against you through somebody, call it out and rebuke it. If the devil is causing chaos in your family, stand up out loud and rebuke it, tell it to go. I've sat there sometimes and struggled with the devil for two hours in a battle in my mind. And God's like, speak to the mountain. I get up, open my mouth and out loud, tell him be gone in Jesus name. And like that, it's over with. There's power in the tongue speak to the mountain first corinthians 121 that's why god has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save the lost because there is power in the tongue the anointing is what breaks the yoke and the anointing oftentimes flows most of all through words even when there's a healing there's still going to be something spoken when the anointing flows, you'll notice many times God will give a word of knowledge. You're preaching, you're praying, you're stirring up that faith. And he might give a word of knowledge. You know what? I, I feel like there's a kidney issue. Could you come up and let us pray for you? That spoken word released or proved the evidence of that faith. They get up in the name of Jesus, be healed, spoken word, and then they are healed. And then God gets the glory because the anointing has flown and proven the power of of the Holy Spirit through the spoken word 1st Corinthians one twenty one says for after that in the wisdom of God the world by wisdom knew not God it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believed for the Jews required a sign in other words they were seeking for spiritual things they didn't really believe so much um, in the words, in the wisdom, they were looking for signs and the Greeks seek after wisdom. They didn't care about signs. They were looking for knowledge. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them, which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, the power of God, the anointing That breaks the yoke that Holy Spirit that uproots that sin nature and that Asherah that cleanses the power of God Because the kingdom of heaven is not common word only but in power But it is the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, which is grace that comes through to back those words up and the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than men And the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, and not many mighty men, not many noble men are called. Kind of touched on that earlier. Typically, if you have the ability or the skill or the money or the the qualifications, then God really can't too much use you because you're relying on your own strengths and wisdoms. He's looking for those that are scared. He's looking for those that are weak. He's looking for those that are willing to trust and to follow. They can't do it on their own. They can't think on their own. They're just willing to say, sir, yes, sir. He's looking for good soldiers. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and the things which are despised, God hath chosen ye yea and things which are not to bring to naught things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence but of him or ye in Christ Jesus who of God is made unto wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that according as it is written he that glorieth let him glory in the Lord set God up to get the glory And he will move the prophetic is a spoken thing the prophetic is a speaking gift and Amos chapter 3 you don't have to go there because it's just really one short quick verse or two verses but in Amos chapter 3 verses 7 and 8 it says Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophet. The lion hath roared, who will not fear? The Lord God hath spoken, who can but prophesy? It says God won't do it unless he reveals it to the prophets first. If God gives you a prophetic word, seek the Lord, make sure that it's him. But when you know it's him, speak it out because God can't move until that thing is proclaimed. When there is a prophetic word, sometimes it's for encouragement. He will do that. But typically if God sends in a prophet, it's usually for correction or direction, and he's not going to move in correction until the correct, the word of correction has first been given. So though nobody likes to give that word of correction or of warning, You're tying God's hands because until you speak that thing forth, he's not going to back it up with power because the warning has not yet been given. He's not going to move on unwarned people. So the prophets throughout scripture, when they came forth and they gave that word, once the word was given, then they stepped out of the way and then God moved. Because until that warning was laid out, God wasn't going to step in. But once he found somebody willing to speak the word, then he came in and enacted it. And did all what they had spoken the prophetic releases things in the spirit you are being the voice of God but it also releases things in the spirit but it also not just on warning and wrath but on the good things also because it sets God up to get the glory for example we've used the the example so many times about Miss Edith and her son when brother Scott said you've got us young man you've been praying for for many many years God says stop praying he's coming in within a week he had come to church because God had released it there forth he could enact it in a way that he would get the glory for all of it nobody can say she drug him to church everybody knows God brought him in because of the prophetic word that went forth and released it so when he gives it to you speak it there is a reason rebukes go to Matthew 8 18 rebuking is something that every true Christian is gonna have to do. Maybe those in name only might not have to deal with this, but a true Christian is gonna come face to face with the devil. The only people who never come face to face with the devil are those already at his side. So at some point, you're gonna have to rebuke the devil. He's gonna come after you. And this is something that I'm learning more and more, you need to do out loud. You can do it quietly. I've, I've done it under my breath. I've done it in my spirit and had absolute results. But when possible, do it out loud. God gets the glory. There's more power in it. And when it's not working under your breath, sometimes you just got to go and tell the devil, be going. In Matthew 18, 18, it says, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth, Shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So there's two points in this one what you loose on earth is loosed in heaven and what you bind on earth is bound in heaven in other words your physical words and actions on earth have an effect in the spiritual realm rather for loosing or binding when you're calling forth miracles when you're praying and you know that that person is being attacked by the enemy and you pray and you call for God, you send angels right now in the name of Jesus, I'm commanding those angels to go forth, those holy righteous angels of the Lord and fight that fight and defend them and stand in their defense and protect them. You're speaking, you're loosing things. But at the same time, when you say in the name of Jesus, I command you, Satan, to stop attacking them. Your tongue be silent. Stop speaking those lies back to the pit of hell where you came from. You were bound by the blood of the lamb and you cannot talk in that ear anymore. You are binding things. Though it's a physical action, it's releasing the faith that is affecting the spiritual. It says so in scripture. What you bind on earth is bound in the heavenlies and what you loose on earth Is loosed in the heavenlies and it also covers the fact that there's power in agreement so get you a prayer partner if you can where two or three are he is in the midst there is power in agreement of course everybody quotes the passage about one can send a thousand to flight but two can send ten thousand threefold cord is not easily broken there is power in agreement When the devil speaks in your ear, don't waste time and energy struggling with the thoughts, temptations, and lies he is planting in your mind. Rebuke him. Cast him out. Rebuke him out loud and make him flee. Don't go there. It's a really quick one, but James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Speak it out loud. When you he's in that ear he's tempting you he's telling you all these things he's getting in your mind he's making you struggle and confused don't sit there and battle in your mind don't feel sorry for yourself don't play into the thoughts literally out loud tell him in the name of Jesus be gone you cannot speak to me you are silenced now I rebuke you the Lord rebuke you in Jesus name I'm done and be done with it I guarantee you it's gonna stop like that it works it works, you know. When I was single, I was the only one at home, so I was warring out loud all the time. I was in warfare, and boy, there was so much power. There was breakthrough Stuff was happening. People's lives were changing. And then, you know, after I got married, things changed, and I'm trying to learn how to to readjust my life and everything. And and so a lot of times, my prayer and even my warfare started to become inward. Even if I'd go in the prayer closet, you know, I wasn't screaming and shouting and you know, crazy in tongues while like Danny's doing edits or anything, you know, I'm just like quietly praying in my prayer closet and it's becoming more and more of a struggle. And really God, dear, in my worship and prayer, he spoke this to me. He said, speak to the mountain, speak to the mountain. That's the difference. You used to speak to it, speak to it. Stop telling me, about it start telling it about me and tell it out loud if you speak to the mountain it has to listen it will be removed and i'm like yeah i never even made the correlation of the difference that i had even done that but i began to realize yeah i I was warring out loud i was speaking to that thing i was commanding i was fighting a fight not just whining about the battle he's already given you the authority he's waiting for you to take it because if he keeps babying us forever, we'll never grow up spiritually. He needs generals, he doesn't need babies. So there comes a point where he's was, okay, now you do it. And I've told the story before, you know, I woke up one time in the morning hours, middle of the night and there was a bad storm going on. I mean, it was bad, you know? And so like I started praying, you know, and I look on Facebook and everybody's like, oh, there's tornadoes. Oh, my shed just blew away. Oh, this just blew away. You know, oh, my house, my roof's coming off. I started praying, you know, because our house isn't all that stable. And so I'm praying, okay, Lord, calm the storm. And he said, why are you asking me to do something I've already given you authority to do? Speak to the storm. And so I stopped and I just rebuked it and I spoke to it. And I even out loud, Danny was sleeping. He sleeps hard. I knew he wouldn't hear me. So I was you know, like, in the name of Jesus, I command this storm to cease. Dry air, dry this thing up right now. Wind, stop, I speak it forth in the authority of Jesus Christ. Peace, be still now. And just, it just immediately. And then I got on Facebook and looked to see if it was just over me. And everybody was like, oh, no, thank God it stopped. Thank God, it's like everybody around, you know, it was towns around it stopped. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. And that's really what it was about. He's given us the authority. We don't have to relinquish that authority to anything else. He's given you the authority. Speak it forth and let the faith arise. Because you'll notice when you start speaking, the faith arises, even within you. When you're speaking internally, a lot of times you're still struggling. That battle's still there. But once it comes out, you're speaking and you're hearing. At the same time, that faith arises. It stirs it up. Things are moving in the spirit. You feel it change in the atmosphere. It stirs you up all the more. You know something is happening. So rebuke when you have to rebuke, take authority, don't fight that fight longer than you need to get up and speak it. If there's a temptation coming at you. Say it out loud. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Start warring against it out loud. Treat the temptation like a demon because it is. It's the devil speaking. Stop battling with the thought of the temptation and start fighting the demon that's causing it. Deal with it. Take authority. Take authority move on when when jesus was in the wilderness when satan tempted him what did he do he spoke the scriptures back you know when he was like you you know eat this bread i know you're hungry why don't you eat this stone jesus spoke man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that cometh out of the the mouth of god he spoke the truth and the truth cut down the lies everything he tempted him with he out loud spoke the word of god against it and it cut down the lies because what, the enemy couldn't fight that. You know, well, he knows the truth. Well, you know, he kind of is the truth, so I think he knows it. But he couldn't combat that. And he knew he couldn't, so he just had to flee. And at the end of it, you know, it says that he, Jesus prevailed. He, he beat the temptation by speaking the truth. Not having a conversation with the devil. We don't sit there and have a conversation with him. Don't battle in your mind. Don't converse with him. Don't sit there and whine back and forth and let him put thoughts. You speak in authority. You give the commandments. You don't listen to him. You speak to him. You give the commandments. You shut him down. You speak the truth and you march on. Remember, you have the higher rank in the spirit. He must submit. He's going to bully and he's going to bluff until you prove to him that you know you outrank him and you're not going to take any flack. Then he's going to back down. Remember it's like that old horse I had. He would nip you, he would put, he would bite you just a little bit, he was testing you. And then he'd bite harder and harder and harder until I'd have to punch him and then he would quit. The devil does the same thing. He'll tempt you, he'll test you, he'll see how far you're gonna let him get away with because the only thing he can get away with is what you let him get away with because you have the greater authority. So when you get enough, he's gonna stop. Lessons learned on the form all right prayer versus warfare prayer is when we go to God we are seeking God we're trying to get that word from God we're talking to God and we're listening to God that is prayer now a lot of times you know I'll tell you oh yeah I was in prayer and warfare what's the difference both are conversations but prayer it, it which one depends on who you're talking to prayer you're talking to God and you're listening to God in warfare you're talking to the enemy you're giving him commands. You're giving your authority, you're speaking things forth. It's kind of like prayer versus warfare. It's like seeking versus speaking, listening versus proclaiming, taking orders versus giving orders. When you're in prayer from God, you're seeking him to get that word. You're looking to take orders. When you're in warfare, you're speaking to the enemy. You're giving the orders. When we go to God, we seek him for that word. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to do this? God, speak to me. Give me your direction. But when you're in warfare you're not listening to the enemy you're speaking to him in the name of Jesus you're gonna cut them loose in the name of Jesus you're gonna let go of this territory in the name of Jesus I command you to cease in that school you're speaking you're giving the orders in prayer you're receiving in warfare you are giving the orders this is Jesus speaking to God in prayer he said lead us not into temptation Jesus speaking to the devil he said get you behind me Satan Jesus speaking to God, he said, Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, thy will be done. Jesus speaking to the devil, Man shall not live by bread alone. Do not tempt the Lord thy God. When he prayed to to God, he was receiving instruction. He was seeking God for direction. When he spoke to the devil, he gave commands. It wasn't a two-way conversation. When you speak to the devil, it is never a two-way conversation. Jesus never had a two-way conversation with the devil. He gave orders. It is a military ranking system and if you are a child of God you outrank him you give orders command when God is speaking you're getting orders that's prayer when speaking to the devil you're giving orders that's warfare Satan I command you to turn my family loose in the name of Jesus spirit of alcoholism I command you to turn him loose in the name of Jesus I rebuke the spirit of perversion in my family in the name of Jesus. I rebuke the spirit of suicide over my school in the name of Jesus. You have no right, no authority, and no dominion. I take this land for the kingdom. I am an ambassador of Christ. I stand in the embassy of Christ, and I am taking the land in the name and authority of Jesus Christ. You turn it loose now. You are giving the orders. That's warfare. But you got to spend time with the supreme commander first to get your orders don't run into battles you've not been sent into seek the lord spend time in prayer get the orders and then go where he sends you he will back you up with power but no matter where you find yourself don't ever let the devil run over you speak with authority speak with authority he has to listen when you know he has to listen you prove to him that you know he has to listen he's going to listen all right, go to Jeremiah 34, 17. I'm going to show you the power of proclamation. Proclamation can come forth in prayer, in the prophetic, or in, uh, through the written word, through a sermon. But what I'm speaking right now is more of like pro- proclamation. God has given me a commission, and he has told me to take the land. He has given me an assignment. He has sent somebody alright so for example God has sent somebody for you to witness to and to train up in the spirit and you're giving them counsel and advice Um, and you know that God has assigned me to this person they're kind of like your disciple and they're going through things and you are warring and praying for them in the process the enemy's coming against them and you are speaking those proclamations that the Lord has given you in prayer you are walking those things out faithfully God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you have given the word, that they will be set free, that their tongue will be loosed. And I command you, Satan, in the name of Jesus, to stop binding that tongue and to stop silencing that saint. They will speak the word of God without fear. I command it, I speak it, I proclaim it, I send it forth in the name of Jesus. That is proclamation. When God has told you something, that is his will, and you speak it forth into the atmosphere, that is proclamation. In Jeremiah thirty four seventeen, it says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Ye have not hearkened unto me in proclaiming liberty, every one his brother, and every man to his neighbor. Behold, I proclaim a liberty for you, saith the Lord, to the sword, to the pestilence, and to the famine, and I will make you to be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth. In this verse, there was a judgment coming because God had given a proclamation and they weren't speaking it forth. He had given a proclamation of liberty. Um, It was a liberty against slavery and there was a proclamation that if any man in Israel was a slave for a period of seven years, after that seven years, they had to be turned loose and they weren't doing it. And he's saying, because you have not spoken the proclamation that I have given you, I'm going to turn you over to the enemy. When God gives you something, proclaim it. Speak it forth. There is power in it. There is authority in it. And he's doing it for somebody else's good. Remember, the gifts that he gives us are really to help others. Use them. Don't let the devil silence the power of your tongue. He's causing you to sheath your sword. The power of life and death is in the tongue. He's going to come against your speaking what God wants you to speak. More than anything else he's going to come against. Why do you think he comes against the prayer meeting more than any other service? Because there is power in the tongue and in agreement. So in a prayer meeting, you have both. Go to Romans 4:17. This kind of comes more into everyday life. We need to learn to control our tongues. Because the power of life and death is in the tongue. We've got to learn to control our tongues. Because we can speak death to the promises that God has given us. When God tells you something, it's going to come to a point where it seems impossible for it to happen. Be that crazy fish and hold on to it and wait for God. Don't spit it out. Because you know what happens when you open your mouth to speak death to it, to speak negatively about it? You're losing that coin. You can't hold that thing within you. Watch your tongue. You can speak death to your own promise this is one that the devil's going to use against everybody. God will give you a promise. For example, the Israelites had the promised land. They're coming out of Egypt. They're promised the promised land. In the process of getting you to that promise, the devil's going to attack. Things are going to get hard. That promise is pretty much going to die. You have to stand in faith and no matter what it looks like, keep speaking those things that be not as though they are. And God will bring it about if you start complaining murmuring speaking against it saying it'll never happen then what's gonna happen you're gonna die in the wilderness like the Israelites that didn't make it to the promised land they lost their faith it says they couldn't enter in because of unbelief and how was that unbelief manifested in their murmuring and complaining and speaking against the promise of God what's in your heart will come out of your mouth whether it be to faith speaking those things that be not as though they are, or if it be to unbelief, doubting and complaining and murmuring and saying, I'm going to give up, I quit, it's never going to happen, whatever, blah, 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 blah. It's all in what you speak, because what you speak is the fruit of what you really believe. And this we read in Romans 4:17 17, the account of Abraham, and it says, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. This was talking to Abraham. Before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope. It was impossible for what God promised Abraham to happen. It was impossible for it to happen. But Abraham believed with hope against hope that he might become the father of many nations. Remember, God had promised him he would become the father of many nations and his children would be more numerous than the sand of the sea or the stars of heaven. This man's wife was barren and they were both very old. It was impossible. Furthermore, once God finally did give him the promise, he then asked him to sacrifice the promise, to lay it down. But it says he never staggered in unbelief You know why he was able to lay his son down on the altar because he believed that what God had promised he was gonna do even if he had to raise him from the dead to do it the scriptures record that that he literally said you know what God said this is gonna happen and I know it's gonna happen and even if he dies right now God will raise him from the dead to make it happen because God said it no matter how impossible he never spoke against it he believed it and this is important we speak death to our own promises we poison our own inheritance we corrupt our own vineyard with the words that come out of our mouth who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken so shall thy seed be and being not weak in faith he considered not his own body now dead when, yeah, that you're like so old. He's like he's, he's it's like a, it's a joke in there. It yeah, is. he's like so old. He's like he didn't even consider that like, so old his body was dead. Like he he didn't even consider he it. Was, yeah. He just yeah. believed what God said. Not. <laughs> Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief but was strong in faith giving glory to god and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness how do we know that he was fully persuaded because he never spoke doubt and if you are truly fully persuaded that's going to manifest through your words If we're speaking doubt, then in our heart, we, no matter what we tell ourselves, I really believe God, what are you speaking? Because what your heart is believing, your mouth is speaking. That's a way to test our heart by checking our fruits. And we are all guilty, so now we know how to check it and stop poisoning our own ground. Because we've all done it. Um, The Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word you know daddy daddy preaches about gossip sometimes and he talks about how when a person is gossiping they're poisoning their own family because it's really the people closest to them that's hearing it the person they're talking about most of the time never even hears the gossip the people in their household and them themselves they hear the gossip so the bitterness and the poison is really destroying them and their family and the people around them and you'll find that people that gossip a lot It's usually their own kids that suffer from it the most, that end up becoming bitter at everybody and turning away from the church and you know, whatever the situation is. Because faith comes by hearing, scripture says, and hearing by the word of God. What you hear is what your faith will be stirred in. So what's coming out of your mouth is also what you're hearing. If you're speaking life, you're hearing life, and faith is being stirred within you. If you're speaking death, you're hearing death, And faith is dying in you so you can stir the Bible says that David um, encouraged himself in the Lord you can encourage yourself in the Lord by speaking life because what you are speaking you are also hearing faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God which again is why the word the tongue has so much power it is that sword because it is the Word of God when you speak the Word of God it stirs that faith up within you And when you go to God to get that word of God, you then have to stand in faith on it. How are you going to have faith in something God never told you? If you haven't faith in something you just made up, well, then your faith is in your faith. It's not in God. Seek the Lord for a word. Listen, believe it, stand in faith on it against all odds. Don't speak against it, but no matter what, continue in faith and miracles will come. He will get you to the promise. Seek the Lord, hear his words, and have faith in them. Real faith in his words will affect your words. If you are fully persuaded that he will do what he said, then you will will speak those things that be not as though they are. Not wavering in faith, no matter how impossible it seems at the moment. It's not about what you see, it's about what he said. Get on your face before God. Seek him. Get that word. Get that promise. Walk it out in faith. And no matter what it looks like, stand on what he said. I'm preaching to me too. This is a message for everybody. And I don't care how faithfully you walk in it. There's going to come a point where something sneaks up on you. And you got to remember, you know what? Stand on what he said. Doesn't matter what it looks like. It matters what he said. We don't stand on emotions, we stand on the word of God. Amen. If you believe it, you will speak it. Luke 6:45. Luke 6:45 says, "A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart the mouth" speaketh so what's in your heart will find your lips therefore your words are the fruit of your faith examine your fruit and you will know your faith authority must be spoken you can have all the authority you want If you never speak it, the enemy will run all over you. We use the prison analogy a lot for authority because you have to use authority against the inmates. If you work in a prison, it doesn't matter how much authority you've been given. It doesn't matter what rank they put on your sleeve. If you never open your mouth, are they gonna listen to you? You have to give the order. You have to walk in the authority because not only are we made in the likeness of god but we are also the ambassadors of christ an ambassador carries a message and the kingdom they represent backs it up with power what good is a silent ambassador if we're called to be the ambassadors of christ and we won't speak we're pretty useless Now there's times when God will send you on missions and he will give you information that is not to be spoken or not to be spoken for a time. God will send you on covert missions. He will send you on some sneaky sneakies. (laughs) He will do these things. Sometimes he will hide you for a season, but there's going to come a point where he's going to ask you to open your mouth. Do it. Because if you don't, then something was missed. Something you were supposed to say was supposed to affect change, was supposed to release an anointing, was supposed to do something for somebody. God has mercy in the learning and in the growing. He wants us to know. He wants us to test the spirit. He wants us to make sure that it's him telling us to say something and not another spirit. But once we know, we have to speak it or else there will be blood on our hands because God doesn't speak for no reason. There is a purpose in everything that he says. And if he's telling you to say it, it's to help somebody. It's to save somebody. It's to change an atmosphere. It's to set somebody free. If you want to be used by God, be willing to open your mouth when he tells you because that's where the anointing and the power will flow. And when you're faithful in the little things, he'll trust you with more. All right, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20 says... Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. Be reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You are an ambassador. You go to the embassy. You get your orders. You get your weaponry you get whatever it is you need you go out and you speak on behalf of that kingdom wherever you are and you are backed by the power and the authority of that kingdom on earth the church is an embassy for the kingdom of heaven and we are the ambassadors of christ so therefore we go out into occupied territory and we bring the message you bring the truth and god will back it up with power And he endows you with power because the kingdom also lives within you. That's why it says that he has made us the righteousness of God. His righteousness, his power, his Holy Spirit dwells within you. So let it speak through you and it will change things wherever you go. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. And the yoke is the yoke of bondage and sin. That anointing flows most through words. So the conclusion of the matter is when God speaks, you stop talking and start listening. But when the devil speaks, you stop listening and start talking. Get it in your spirit. The problem is, is we don't listen to God. When God's there, we want to talk. And when the devil's speaking, we stop talking and start listening. We don't use our authority. We just listen to everything he tells us. And then yet, whenever God wants to speak to us, then we want to be like, yeah, well, you know, let me tell you about this. Let me tell you what they did to me here. Let me tell you about that. Oh, and by the way, can you get a new car? And we don't listen. We need to flip the roles. When God is speaking, we need to shut up and listen. And when the devil starts speaking, we need to stop listening and start speaking. Rebuke him. Talk. Use the authority he's given you. Shut him up. Shut him down. He's a lower rank. Stop letting him run over you. Again. Again. Relinquished authority is the only thing that gives him access use the authority that God has given you because the power of life and death is in the tongue and we're going to close with Matthew 17 14 because I want to give you one more thing if all else fails and you've done all of these things and it doesn't seem to be working there is one more thing fasting sometimes it requires Fasting. We're going to read Matthew 17, starting in verse 14, says, And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed, for oftentimes he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples. And they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? and Jesus saith unto them because of your unbelief for verily i say unto you if ye have faith as of a grain of mustard seed ye shall say speak to the mountain be removed hence to yonder place and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible unto you howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting so you had all of those elements you have faith You have that faith being acted upon by speech, saying, and by prayer. But in this one, there was an extra element, fasting. Sometimes when you don't seem to be getting the breakthrough, it's time to fast. There is power in fasting because, of course, it is an activation of faith. It is proving that you believe what Jesus said and that you know you really are fighting a spiritual fight. There are many different elements to fasting. There's a cleansing of your temple, all of these different elements that go in with it. It is, it is so devastating to the enemy that in many translations, if not most of your modern translations, this verse is completely removed because the devil doesn't want you to know that sometimes to get victory, you need to fast. That just shows you how powerful it is. Yeah. Speak to the mountain. It must obey. Sometimes the warfare requires a little extra push. Happened for Daniel, said that as, when the angel came to him, he said, as soon as you ask the question, God dispatched me with the answer, but I was held up by the king of Persia for 21 days. Daniel was on a 21-day fast. The angel was fighting with the enemy, with the devil, over Persia, and somehow in the spirit, Daniel's fasting and praying was aiding in that battle so that he could get to him, and on the 21st day, the end of his fast, he, he finally got to him with the answer. There is a war on in the spirit. And we just, we do our part with the instructions we're given. We may not fully ever understand it all this side of heaven, but we obey, we say, sir, yes, sir. We walk in the authority we've given. We don't let the devil run over us. We don't walk in the spirit of Ahab and relinquish the authority we've been given. We stand in it and we speak those things that be not as though they are having full faith that what you bind on earth, you bind in the spirit in heaven in the spiritual realms. And what you loose on earth, you loosen the spirit so speak it speak it speak it and believe it if you want more victory and breakthroughs try praying out loud even if you're home alone take authority start warring we need people to be warring more i think we end up wasting a lot of time the devil puts us wasting a lot of time in prayer begging for the things that god has really already given us power and authority to walk in and god's taken the training wheels off and we're begging him to put the training wheels back on and he's like no get on your bike and ride And so stand in authority in your prayer. Spend time in prayer, but then also spend time in warfare, speaking those things forth. Because he has put us here to fight a fight, and that's how you fight it. God, we thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit, for the power of your anointing and your rhema word, that it comes forth with authority, and that it accomplishes what it was sent forth to do. But they can't be vain words, Lord. They have to be the words of your spirit spoken through earthen vessels. So, God, we ask that you would speak to us, speak through us, use us, Lord, as we prayed yesterday that you circumcise our heart, cut away the flesh so that only your pure word comes forth. Father, we pray for patience that we would seek you daily to see what it is that you are saying so that we know that we say only what you want to say and nothing more. Let us not be eager to speak, Lord, but only eager to obey what you say. Once that we have prayed and sought the Lord for a word, Lord, I pray that you give us ears to hear. Hearts to understand and to fear the Lord. To work out our salvation with trembling before you. That we not do damage to your name or bring shame upon your house. O Lord. But we pour ourselves out before you and say here I am. Use me Lord. Send me. Speak to me. Speak through me. I will be your light in the darkness